Everybody bang your heads. It's Friday. I need a margarita with a salted rim. What do you think? I'm Leslie Marshall. Brad Bannon is in the house. He runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development and media firm. They help labor unions, progressive issues groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Now, recently, Brad acquired a new position. He's a weekly blogger for EpicTimes.com. Formerly, he wrote for U.S. News and World Report. He's also a lecturer in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. More than a pleasure to have back my co-host on Fridays this hour. He'll hang around next hour as well. Brad Bannon. Happy Friday, buddy. Happy Friday, Leslie. I don't know if you missed it or not, but uh, I believe uh, Wednesday was National Margarita Day. Oh, really? Oh, yes, yeah. Don, I celebrate? missed it. No, no, I was in New York on uh, the day before yesterday. No, I'd, I didn't know. Why am I, you know what, somebody's going to, should I smack my crew? Mark, Andrew, these are important things to let your boss know. What do you think? You were concerned uh, about your safety. You're concerned about my, I'm not driving in New York, I'm handling a cab, you know? <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, uh, anyway, uh, we have so much to talk about. I want to start um, with last night's GOP debate. I, I want to be clear, and I want people to know that our wide-open telephone hour begins now. So pick up the phone and join us, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. We're going to talk about the debate. We're going to talk about Super Tuesday and some other things, but we've got to talk about this debate. Now, I was on a plane flying from JFK to LAX. And we had to go around some storm patterns, so seven hours instead of six. Ooh. And um, I, you know, I watched a, a movie, and then all of a sudden I'm channel surfing, and I'm like, oh, I might as well watch the debate. I have to watch it for work, for my radio show, for, you know, my contribution on Fox News Channel, if I d- want to write about it for Huffington Post. Um, and because I'm asked to speak, you know, or, or for a speaking engagement, I want to be um, educated on, you know, no – be up on the issues and can't talk about debate if you haven't watched it. So I started to watch it and, you know, I'm thinking I'm probably going to fall asleep and I'll watch it later, you know, when I get home. But I could not, almost like a serious, like that train wreck, you can't look away from that car accident. You can't. And you say, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to be, you know, you just can't look away. I could not look away. And there were two guys on the plane sitting next to me. One of which who hates politics, another which is a Democrat, and he's like, I can't stop watching this. You know, it's like crack. You know, it's bad for you, but you keep you keep smoking. Uh, so anyway, last night there were so many things going on, um, and 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 one I think everybody would agree, and I think Brad, you would also, was the best line of the night, and it was actually from Ben Carson. Yes, he was there. Many people may not know it, but look more like a three-way. Uh, but this was Ben Carson last night at the GOP debate. Up, oh, I guess we don't have that. Um, okay, uh, guys, let me know when uh, audio's ready. Uh, anyway, last night at the GOP debate, Brad, I said earlier on TV, I just said now on the radio, and I said on my Twitter feed that I saw Marco Rubio become a man last night before my very eyes. I think he went from a boy to a man, and I'm a Democrat saying that. Would you agree with me? Yeah, I thought uh, Senator Rubio uh, performed very well. Um, the question I have is, um, it would uh, he he should have performed very well uh, in the previous debates uh, because uh, you called that debate uh, last night a train wreck, and I would absolutely agree with you. Uh, it was a train wreck, and I thought Rubio did very well. Uh, but the question is, um, I doubt. Um, uh, Rubio did enough last night uh, to stop the uh, Trump momentum. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, it would have been better if Rubio had done this, you know, a month or two No, ago. exactly. Everybody's like, what happened, you know, uh, the 10th time's a charm, uh, but why, you know, why wasn't, you know, the first time around? I believe we have that audio now. This, I believe, Brad, I think you'd agree with me, uh, was the best line of the night. Here is Ben Carson. And first of all, this guy's a choke artist, and this guy's a liar. You have a combination. This guy always goes. You have a you have a combination of factors. He this can't do it for the obvious reason, and he can't do it because he doesn't he does. know how to tell the truth. Other than that, I rest my There's, case. This there is the typical is, uh, thing he does in any debate the, about right. policy. One at a time. He goes right for the Governor Kasich, you have the floor. The floor. Governor, you, I get a response to that. You will have a response, right. but I promised Governor Kasich he could respond. Can somebody attack me, please? Okay, here, Wolf. Wolf. You know what? I liked Ben Carson for a moment, just for a flickering moment. You know, normally I think he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but I, I, I thought it I thought it was funny. Brad, do you agree that an answer after the break that Carson and Kasich need to get off that stage and cruise as well and push and get their supporters to back Rubio. Otherwise, Trump becomes the GOP nominee. Answer that when we return, my buddy Brad Bannon. When we come back, we're going to take your calls as well. What did you think of the GOP debate last night? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Did Marco Rubio look presidential? And was Donald Trump the victim of a Cuban sandwich? I'm Leslie Marshall. Look at the phone and join us. Brad Bannon's my co-host in this in the next hour. 888-6-LESLIE. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon, and uh, he is my co-host every Friday, hour two and three here on the show, your show of Forum by You. So last night we saw a GOP debate. Um, Brad, um, do you agree that everyone, the only the only candidate that really would win it for the GOP against Trump, really, and even though I don't want him to be up against Hillary, I'm talking about just purely from a political analysis point, uh, would be Marco Rubio. Ted Cruz doesn't get along with anybody in Congress. John Kasich isn't going to win the nomination uh, or a general election. And Ben Carson, I mean, what is he still doing on that stage? Uh, Well, uh, I agree with you, but I think we may get to that situation uh, you're describing sooner than later. Um, On Tuesday, um, the Republicans are going to select a quarter of all the delegates who are going to their national convention. Uh, and if I think if we had the election today, uh, Trump would win big time, uh, which means he would be in a commanding uh, position uh, to win the nomination. Now, if you look at Nevada, Illinois, Iowa, on the basis of just those states, Trump now has more pledged delegates than the rest of the gang combined. Uh, and I think uh, after by Wednesday, after Super Tuesday, uh, he's going to have a big delegate lead. Uh, because remember, Republicans have winner-take-all primaries. So if you win by one vote, you get all the delegates. Uh, and I think there's a panic already uh, setting in in the uh, Reagan building in Washington, which houses the Republican National Committee. Uh, I think after uh, Nevada, uh, the folks at the Republican National Committee realize we may be stuck with this guy. Uh, and they're in, by Wednesday, I guarantee you, they will be in full panic mode. At that, no, you say full panic mode, but you, you had Chris. Chris uh, I want to talk about. 
Chris Christie came forward today and endorsed Trump, and I think either he's been promised a position, whether it's attorney general or vice president, um, and I think he's probably – and I think Trump probably wrote him a check um, because he even said his goal was to make more money than his wife and, you know, all this yada, yada, remaining <laughs> governor and, you know, BS, BS, BS. Um, but they have very similar personalities. Some people may say to Northeastern, you know, Jersey, New York, a ticket. I don't think Trump cares. Trump doesn't play by the rules. Um, so one, the Christie endorsement. And then there were two congressional members, one from here in California that have backed him. Don't you think – that this is going to be a domino effect. Other Republicans are going to come out and back him because they think it's you know pretty apparent he's going to be the nominee. You know, even though so many of these people at first came out like Paul Ryan and said, you know, that's it. You know, I put my foot down. You know, you're talking about banning Muslims and that type of thing. Well, uh, yeah, I think we're get, you know Trump is getting very close to critical mass. Uh, he already has more delegates than anybody else. Actually, he has more delegates than everybody else. And I think he's going to win some big victories on Tuesday. Uh, and I think uh, if Trump does real well on Tuesday, he'll be in a commanding decision a position uh, to uh, lead uh, to win the nomination. Uh, but I think there are Republicans in Washington, you know, the Karl Rove types, the people who run the Republican National Committee, who feel that if Trump is their nominee, uh, the party will face disaster on Election Day in November. Uh, and my guess is they would do everything they can to winnow down the race. So there's one, just one person uh, uh, going after uh, Trump. Now, look at Nevada. I mean, uh, Nevada, you know, Trump won a big victory there, but he only got 43% of the vote. Oh, when he talks about 46% of the Latino vote. The Latino vote was less than 1% of the voter population, which means it was like point oh less than 1%. So it it was 46% would be like 0.46. <laughs> I got yeah, the Latino my, vote. <laughs> yeah, my guess is in Nevada, as in most places, you could fit all the uh, Latino Republicans into a phone booth somewhere. Um, and it's ridiculous they make these judgments on exit polls based on an incredibly small sample. It's very misleading. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I think uh, the Republicans in Washington worry that by nominating Trump, they are going to spike turnout among Latino voters big time, uh, which would be a disaster for them. Uh, because I think Latinos will come out in droves and vote against Trump in November. And that's what Republicans in Washington are concerned about. And you know what? They should be concerned about it. Uh, there was a poll uh, that released yesterday, a national poll. Uh, it was done by NBC and Univision, uh, and it showed that 80% of the Latinos in this country dislike Donald Trump. Uh, that's a recipe for electoral disaster in November. Okay. Uh, let, um, and, and before we take the calls, I want to ask you this. We have seen record number turnout for Republicans, not for Democrats. And even though Bernie has done well bringing out millennials or bringing out people that are first-time primary voters or caucus voters and got to give Senator Sanders and his campaign credit for that, the Democrats – shame on my and your, our – uh, fellow Democrats, we don't show up in midterm elections in the numbers. We don't show up in, in equal numbers, even record numbers like Republicans for primaries and caucuses. You've got to get out there and vote. Otherwise, you're handing that win to whoever the Republican nominee is. And I just want to make that clear. I don't know. We are not a lazy party of people. 
So I, I get so sick and tired of this. Now, you know, but you know, historically, George uh, Daddy Bush won when Democrats did have a record number of voters coming out. So that doesn't always, you know, guarantee a win for the presidency. But let, let's 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 talk about. Um, but I, 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 I want to ask you about that because we're seeing record numbers of Republicans and first timers to caucus and primaries on the right to vote for Trump and on the left to vote for Bernie. Focusing on the right and Trump, because we're talking about him at the moment, don't you think that might continue in the general election? And, you know, I mean, the polls show him and, and Hitler, like Hillary would beat him, but by a very slight margin. Now, I don't always believe the polls. And, and Brad, I know you like to predict, and you were wrong about New Hampshire with Rubio, but other than that, you pretty, pretty much predict right. First of all, you ha- if you had to predict, will Trump be the nominee? And second of all, if Trump were up against Hillary, would Trump be able to win? Because I think when you look at polls, there are Democrats who don't like to admit they like a wall. And they, they don't want Syrian refugees here, and they don't want Mus- they want that Muslim ban. It's not, thank God, the majority. It's a very small uh, portion of Democrats, but there are some people – a lot of people like what he says or the way he says it with the bravado, even though they, they seem to know, especially if you watch last night. He has no plan, no substance to achieve everything he's throwing out there. It's just – it's a bunch of BS. Um, so, so Brad, if – you know, will, will Donald Trump be the dominee if you had to predict that? Um, and if so, can he win in a general election up against, let's say, Hillary Clinton because it seems that she will most likely be the Democratic nominee? Uh, well, we'll have a better idea Wednesday, but I think odds are that Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. Um, I think he's on a fast track now. Uh, he's got a lot of momentum going into the biggest day of the Republican presidential race, which is on Tuesday. Does that mean uh, the Republicans will stop hating him and will come up behind him? Uh, yeah, I think. Well, that's another. That's a whole other question. Uh, I think that in terms of November, if you look at presidential elections, uh, the party that wins is the most united party. And watching the Republicans last night, uh, it reminded me of uh, my kids when they were like nine and seven years old. They were always at each other's throats. Uh, There was constant fighting and bickering. Uh, And I thought this reminded me exactly of how my kids behaved when they were nine and seven. Uh, But they weren't running for president of the United States, and they were nine and seven. These are grown men who are hollering and screaming at each other last night. And I think that shows the divisions in the Republican Party. And the, you know, the reality is, if you look at presidential elections, the party that is less united loses. And let me give you another example of that. There are at least two Republican members of the United States Senate that I know of, and there may be more than that. Uh, there are at least two Republican members of the United States Senate who have publicly said they could not vote for Donald Trump if he's the nominee. Uh, yes, but, uh, you know, you, you don't, yeah, and who are they? Thank you, Mark. You read my mind. <laughs> that was my uh, second question. One of them is uh, Lindsey Graham. Yes. Uh, and the other one is a Republican uh, senator, I think, from one of the Dakotas. I can't remember the name. All right. Well, you're being honest with that. Um, okay. But you, you're saying Donald Trump will be the candidate, but um, the, not all of the party will support him. But 
does does that really matter for him to I, I mean and, and and can can he beat Hillary Clinton are these do you buy these numbers that there it would be such a close race between him and her uh well yeah maybe now uh but you know playing it out Trump has one major problem uh facing him in November uh in uh in uh, 2012 uh I think Latinos made up uh, 10% of all the people, Americans, who voted in November 2012. Uh, and since then, there are 4 million more Latinos who are eligible to vote now than, were el- than voted in 2012. Uh, and the reality is, if Trump is the nominee, uh, Latino turnout is going to go through the roof, and they're going to go about 90%. Uh, for Hillary Clinton. Okay, I, I, I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate it. Let's uh, let's go to uh, some calls, and uh, let's start it out with Scott in Charlottesville, Virginia, Line 2, listening to uh, our new affiliate, 94.7 WPVC. Hey, Scott, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And I'm sort of torn with a couple of questions, but um, I guess one I'll leave you'll discuss later, which is, even after Donald Trump, and if he does not get elected, how has he changed the nature of the Republican Party? And I guess number two, I, believe it or not, I was on my way to a baseball game and happened to have on AM radio uh, earlier and, and heard a combination of um, Rush Limbaugh combined with some articles I read in the Washington Post today. And, and the point they were both making were oddly convergent, which was Donald Trump's not his positions are not that far, or they're pretty much inseparable from the other candidates. It's, number one, how he's saying it, and number two, the fact that he's an outsider. So if the Republican candidates think they're going to score rational points in a debate, they're missing the whole point. That Donald Trump is, is sort of tapping into an irrational anger, and that it's, you're not going to win with a sort of debate of issues. So those are my comments. Uh, well, um, I hate to say this, but for once, and maybe the only time in my life, I agree with Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Uh, he's actually right. There, there probably isn't a lot of position, a difference in the positions. Uh, they're all pretty conservative. But Trump has an emotional appeal way beyond the issues. And that's something that the other Republican candidates don't have. Uh, you know, Trump is a consummate show person, showman. And that's what separates him from the rest of the Republican pack, not issues. So I would agree. I think that's exactly what the case is. Anything else from our caller? Um, I guess the other thing would be just I still don't fully understand the appeal of Donald Trump. Or more well, I think I think you you touched upon it, and, and Brad did as well. I I think the ugly side of our nation, and the ugly side of some people in our nation, not just Republicans, some Democrats, but mostly Republicans, based on you know the people being polled. Um, you know, th- th- this reminds me of pre World War II Germany. You know, people are angry and they want someone to blame. We've done that in this country numerous times. I mean, there was a time that we had slave, and we've done it based on skin color. We've done it based on religion. What boggles my mind is in 2016, we 
have have not progressed as much as we think we have. And when Donald Trump said he loves the poorly educated people, well, he should, because the majority of his supporters are poorly educated. And, and I'm not saying that somebody who doesn't have a great education is a dummy. Not at all. There are brilliant people I know that dropped out of high school and, you know, a lot of people have dropped out of college and done quite well for themselves. Bill Gates would be an example of that. But at, at the end of the day, to want to support somebody who is called Latinos, rapists, and murderers, who has pretty much all but called Muslims, all Muslims here and abroad, worldwide terrorist, to be so undiplomatic, to be so crass, to practically incite riots if somebody says something against him at a rally, this is a divisive bully. And I think there, and, and, and honestly, there was a great article, I can't remember who wrote it, I just read it um, uh, the other day, I think, on the plane going over to New York this week. And some of it, people say, and I'd love you guys to weigh in, it's because, like, white men aren't going to be in the majority anymore. So they're holding on, you know, they're angry, they're afraid, and Donald is their... Um, you know, D- Donald is is their channel to that. Brad, would you agree? There's something. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly what's going on here. This nation is changing, and I've said this on the show before, uh, but I'll say it again because it's appropriate to the situation. By 2050, white people will be in the minority in the United States of America because the Latino population and the Asian proper, uh, population are growing like gangbusters, and the white population isn't. And the Census Bureau says we're going to be, whites are going to be a minority in this country by 2050. Already you can see the influence of uh, Latinos on our culture. Uh, and I think there are a lot, there are some, and I don't think it's a real large number, but I think there are some Americans who are very disturbed by the fact uh, that American society is changing. Uh, and they're doing everything they can to fight a rearguard action, and I believe Trump speaks to those people. Uh, but the reality is they're not going to stop it. This is a demographic wave that no one can stop, not even Donald Trump. Uh, and uh, But, uh, yeah, I think it's like the last stand. It's like Custer's last stand. Well, we know we're going to lose, but we're going to fight to the last person to make sh- to stop, try to stop it. Um, and Trump is their champion. I think that's exactly what's going on. Lately. Thank you for your call. We're going to take a break. Brad and I will be back after this. Talk Media News joining us live from our nation's capital after the break. Top of the news and then more calls. Hang on if you're holding. Want to hear your thoughts on Super Tuesday on what would America be like with, God forbid, a Donald Trump president, in my opinion, God forbid. Could will he is it inevitable that he is the nominee and could he beat Hillary Clinton? I have many Republicans telling me they'll stay home or vote for her if he's the nominee. But I want to get your take regardless of your party, regardless of the person you're supporting and regardless of your ideology. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. 8886-LESLIE's the number. We'll be back right after this. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon, co-hosting this hour as well with me here and you on the only true democracy and talk radio of Forum by You, the people. In this hour, your questions, your opinions, your comments, your concerns. And we want to talk about last night's GOP uh, debate. And uh, there's just so many things to talk about with regard to that. But let's get a listen, if you didn't hear or if you didn't watch, uh, some of the moments that I and my crew thought were pretty much key. One of the things that I have said, and I think, Brad, you'd agree with me. Um, hey, buddy, thank you and welcome back. President and CEO of Bannon Communications Research, poli-sci professor at Salem State College and writer for EpicTimes.com, um, uh, a blogger. Uh, Brad, um, would you agree 
that Wolf Blitzer and Marco Rubio asked Trump for specifics. And time and time again, whether it was with regard to Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, uh, health care, immigration, uh, the economy and taxation, he could not answer. He would repeat himself and he'd like to bring up, oh, somebody needs to apologize to him for something. He came off looking extremely childish, not presidential. Would you agree? I would agree, and I think the best example of that uh, is uh, when Wolf Blitzer uh, tried to press him on uh, how uh, uh, Trump would force Mexico to pay for a wall. Well, well let's listen to that. Let's, uh, the Mexican uh, border. Right. Let's listen to that. Here is Donald Trump answering the question. Wolf Blitzer asked him, how is he going to make Mexico pay for that wall? The former president uh, of Mexico, Vicente Fox, he said today, and I'm quoting him, he said, I'm not going to pay for that, quote, effing wall. <laughs> so if you don't uh, get an actual check from the Mexican government for 8 or 10 or $12 billion, whatever it will cost, how are you going to make them pay for the wall? I will, and the wall just got 10 feet taller, believe me. It's got 10 feet taller. I saw him make that dis- I saw him make the statement. I saw him use the word that he used. I can only tell you, if I would have used even half of that word, it would have been national scandal. This guy used a filthy, disgusting word on television, and he should be ashamed of himself, and he should apologize, okay? Number one. Number two, we have a trade deficit with Mexico of $58 billion a year, and that doesn't include all the drugs that are pouring across and destroying our country. We're going to make them pay for that wall. Now, the wall is $10 billion to $12 billion if I do it. If these guys do it, it'll end up costing $200 billion. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about a few things. Um, I heard today, and I looked it up online, that Donald Trump dropped the F-bomb five times in 74 seconds. Donald Trump is called Latinos, rapists and murderers, not illegals and not men. He said Mexico doesn't send us their best and followed that up with the, the uh, rapist and murderer line. Uh, he said terrible things uh, about Muslims and about women. And, and, and when he talks about himself being a Christian, I'm sorry, my eyes roll and I have to laugh. Um, anyway, uh, you know, he insisted he never uses the word. And the truth is he uses it all uh, the time, right? Um, he, he dropped an F-bomb. Three weeks ago at a campaign rally in New Hampshire. I mean, and, and what kills me is if you listen, Brad, the crowd went nuts when he said the wall would be 10 times higher. This is this is bull. This is be, full, p- pure BS. We are not going to stop trade with Mexico. And Donald Trump does business in Mexico. Trump products are not just made in China. They're HO in Mexico. Go ahead, Brad. Well, yeah, you're right. It was vintage Trump. Uh, he basically uh, not having a good answer to how he how he get Mexico to pay for the fence uh, changed the issue and made it about uh, 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 the Mexican president's language. Uh, and you're right. That surprised me too. The crowd went wild. They loved it. Uh, and but that's basically your. Republican primary voter. Uh, he's not going to get that same kind of reaction when he has to start talking to independents uh, in the fall. 
but uh, yeah, it was classic. He did not answer the question. He turned it around and made it an issue about swearing. And you're right. He swears. He uses that word, which we can't say, all the time. Now, Trump said that he was going to um, get rid of um, health care. It would be tantamount in his victory speech to 22 million Americans that would lose health care uh, with his victory speech in South Carolina. And last night, uh, Rubio and, and Trump fought over the health care plan Trump has. Uh, Rubio pressed him on Obamacare, and I think that is a good thing for him to do because the voters out there who haven't decided – or who don't come out to caucus or vote in a primary need to hear some specifics. And they're not hearing it. Once again, Trump didn't didn't tell us how we would pay for the wall. We know we're not going to have a trade war with Mexico. We know we're not going to stop trade with Mexico. You know Mexico's not, not only not going to pay for the wall, they can't afford it, and neither can we. And that's a reality. That is a reality. I know I, anybody out there who really believes the United States with the size we are is going to build a wall. And let me remind people of something. The P, every single of the 19 hijackers on 9-11, zero came in from the Mexican border. And San Bernardino, the husband and wife team, zero came in from the Mexican border. As a matter of fact, every mass shooting in the history of the United States of America, zero came in through the Mexican border. Building the wall is a false sense of security. It's Kool-Aid. You're drinking Kool-Aid. Let's listen to Rubio and Trump fighting over Trump's health care plan and pressing him on Obamacare. You may not be aware of this, Donald, because you don't follow this stuff very closely, but here's what happened. When they passed Obamacare, they put a bailout fund in Obamacare. All these lobbyists to keep talking about, they put a bailout fund in the law that would allow public money to be used, taxpayer money, to bail out companies when they lost money. And we led the effort and wiped out that bailout fund. The insurance companies are not in favor of me. They hate that. They're suing now to get that bailout money put back in. Here's what you didn't hear in that answer. And this is important, guys. This is an important thing. What is your plan? I understand the lines around the state, whatever that means. This is not a game where you draw maps you around. Don't know what, it what is your plan? You what is your plan on health care? You don't have a plan. Problem. The biggest well, what problem is he I'll give him one minute the biggest problem he's plan. got is he What's doesn't know. You know, I watched him melt down two weeks ago with Chris Christie. I got to tell you, the biggest problem he's got is he really doesn't know about the lines. The biggest thing we've got, and the reason we have no competition, is because we have lines around the state, and you have you but have. That, I know, we already mentioned that as part of my plan. Yeah, I know yeah. what that is. I, but what else is part of your plan? Much. So your only thing much. is to get rid of the lines around the states. What else is part of your health care plan? The lines around the states. That's mean. your only and plan. And it was almost done. No, no. You know right, what that does? I'll that give brings him time in. To mind. He can tell us his plan. Excuse me. That What's brings in competition. When you get rid of the lines, it brings in competition. So instead of having one insurance company taking care of New York or Texas, you'll have many. They'll compete, and it'll be a beautiful thing. Right. And w- <laughs> Listen to the applause. Well, that's the only part of the plan? Just the lines, the in- interstate well, no, competition? The, the nice part about the plan, you have many different plans. You'll have competition. You'll have so many different plans. But now he's I repeating think- himself. No, Mr. I'm Trump. not repeating. No, no, no. I like, I, I thought it was a good one. I don't repeat myself. I you don't repeat myself. You don't repeat yourself. Here's the guy who repeats himself. I don't you repeat yourself every day. I watched him talking about repeating. I watched him repeat himself five times four weeks ago. And I, I saw you repeat you, yourself five times five seconds that. ago. I watched him. 
meltdown on the stage like I've never seen anybody. I thought he came out of the swimming pool. I said... Well, let's talk, let's I talk about your plan. I see him repeat himself every night. It says five things. Everyone's dumb. He's going to make America great Senator again. Rubio. We're going to win, win, win. Senator He's Rubio, winning in the please. polls. And the lines talk. around the state. Right? Every night. Same thing. Okay. Senator Rubio. I, I, I tell the truth. I Senator tell the truth. Rubio, you will have time to respond. If you All would right. just let Mr. Trump respond to what yeah, you just posed to him. Yeah, he's going to give us plan now, right? If, okay. you, if you could talk a little bit more about your plan. I know you talked about the interstate. No, no, uh, we're going to have many different plans because there's going to be competition. Said it again. There's going to be competition. There is going to be competition among all of the states and the insurance companies. They're going to have many, many different plans. Is there anything else you would like to add to that? No, there's nothing to add. What's to add? What's to add? The answer to the question. Gotta get, I, I got to say... Uh, Rubio sounded smart for the first time. That's why I said he went from a boy to a man in my view last night. And in addition to that, Mr. Trump, you've called. Sorry. In uh, in addition to that, um, you know, he had facts. And God Almighty, I would hope that the Republicans at least want somebody who knows their facts and who has the substantial plan to put forth. Why are the masses allowing this bully's followers to take over their party, Brad? Well, uh, it's a good question. Uh, They, uh, you know, our caller in the first hour, I think his name was Scott from Virginia, uh, was uh, talking about the legacy that Trump is going to leave the Republican Party. Um, I know what that legacy is. Uh, he's going to destroy it uh, because uh, the reality – I feel very strongly about this. We are in a much different racial climate than we were 20 or 30 years ago. And Americans, for the most part, have figured out that – America works best when everybody is getting along with each other. Now, there are a few people, um, Trump supporters, who you know, are going to fight cultural change to the very last breath, but most Americans got the memo. And uh, the reality is I am utterly convinced uh, that Americans are not going to elect a racist as president. And again, you know, go back to that. I was convinced America wouldn't elect. I was convinced. I was convinced America wouldn't elect a black man. And I was wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the racial climate is is much better now. Uh, White Americans for the most part, now accept the fact that society is changing, uh, and most Americans, white Americans, are good with it. But there are some, and there's some of them were cheering for Trump last night, who didn't get the memo and are utterly convinced they're going to somehow stop this demographic wave. Uh, and I would, you know, I am utterly convinced, though, Americans will not let a racist become president of the United States. And this is the guy who said Mexicans are drug dealers, they're pimps, uh, they're all sorts of other things. He didn't say some Mexicans were pimps uh, and some Mexicans were drug dealers and and bank robbers or whatever. He said Mexicans are. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear what Donald said, but I want to go to the call. So if you're holding, hang on. Uh, By the way, did you guys see that when Melania Trump was interviewed about immigration, she should she said everybody should be deported except professionals like supermodels. Can't make this stuff up. What? I'm Leslie Marshall. We'll be back. <laughs> Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. 
to some calls. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. Does that sound good, dear? Sounds great, Leslie. Okay, we have some info on polls. We got some audio, but we definitely need to take those phone calls. Dennis is in Massachusetts. Oh, did Dennis leave us actually? Dennis's line dropped. Dennis, give us a buzz back. Let's go to Valerie in Oregon, line two, listening on TuneIn. Valerie, good afternoon. Hi. Hi. Leslie, hey. how are you? Good. Good. Um, I, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, I, I guess I don't have a whole lot to add to the conversation about the Republican debate. Uh, I, the main reason I'm calling is that I've been, I listen to progressive radio all day long, beginning with uh, at uh, like 6 a.m. So I, what I've been really upset about is uh, that's all of the shows are talking about. Not one person has mentioned the incredible town hall at Bernie Sanders' alma mater, the University of Chicago, last night. And I, I can't uh, understand why progressive radio is just as fixated as the rest of the media on, on Well, the quite, quite frankly, and- you're, you're allowed to call about what you want, but, you know, all, all of us, whether it's progressive or, or, or conservative radio, anybody, it's a business. And you're well, about, please, you're that, about pleasing your audience. And, and, well, that, and what except, Bernie did last night that- is... You asked a question, do you want the answer? Yes, I do. Okay. It's my job to talk about things that my audience wants to listen to and call in about. Now, if I call, if I talk about something, and if you just look at the ratings, how many people watched Bernie Sanders versus the GOP debate? There were more Democrats watching a Republican debate than they were Senator Sanders. Well, then that's a big problem, a huge problem. And maybe that's why they're not going out and voting either, because we're all so fixated on no, they're not, on they're news, not going, being, they're not going news out, being entertainment no, 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 and no, not that's really. Not, they're not going out and voting and haven't for years. Democrats haven't shown up in primary and caucuses in record numbers since since uh, the first George Bush uh, was running for president and when he won. And Democrats haven't been showing up in the midterms. It's shameful. But our, well, the people know, in our party the don't come. What don't happened come out. with Barack Obama? They certainly showed up. For him, that and, is not and, and, a pri- that the, the primary in the caucus. That's true. He brought out African American numbers and and youth that were un that were not seen. But Democrats who normally vote did not come out in record numbers when he ran either. Brad, you want to well, weigh in? Well, well, yeah. I mean, the basic answer to this, uh, and I hate to say this uh, because I'd much rather have Bernie Sanders as president. I actually almost have anybody uh, as president more than Donald Trump. Uh, but the reality is, Donald Trump is more entertaining than Bernie Sanders is. Yes. That's what but, it's all about. You know, about. are we are, are we only interested in inter- news as entertainment anymore? That's that's the, what the, I think the crux of the problem is. I I think, mean, but I think you bring up a good point. I think that's why people support Trump because they don't realize this is a serious job. I just, I just said off the air to my producers that when Donald Trump is at a campaign rally or when Donald Trump is on television in a debate or holds a press conference, his supporters are going woo 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 because he's standing there doing almost a comic routine. But if he's elected president, there's not going to be any camera in the Oval Office. It's not going to be – he's not going to be able to do a comedy routine unless he's doing back and forth with reporters. He 
Comedy routine isn't going to work with other world leaders. Comedy routine isn't going to work when you're trying to pass legislation or sign legislation into law or block with a veto legislation or decide on an executive order that could uh, change lives in this nation. And when he's behind those closed doors meetings in in the Oval Office, if he were, God forbid, president, um, the the jokes are going to stop because this is not a joke. And I feel he's making a joke and mockery of the political process. And it makes me sick to my stomach that Republicans are letting him. Well, so is the media, though. The media is is uh, is pushing him to, on everybody. And what what's so sad is why aren't we educating people on on, on, on instead of making fun of this whole thing, educating people on uh, going out and voting? Because if we don't go vote, if the Democrats sit on their asses again, we're going to end up with a Trump presidency. Well, well I, I don't know what time. I don't know what. I don't know what time in the least. I, I don't know like what. I don't know what time you turned the radio on, but that's exactly what I said. What, 10 minutes ago, Brad? I talked about Democrats. We Our, number, our, our numbers, record, Republicans are coming out in record numbers. Democrats aren't. Okay? We, you know, we can sit home and help the Republicans win, or we can get off our ass and go vote. I thank you for your call. And I do think Senator Sanders did a great job at the town hall. Host here on the only true democracy in talk radio. I'm Leslie Marshall. Uh, let's take some more calls, and uh, I want to do that, but I do want to play. And I want to that caller's point. Hey, I agree. When news outlets just show up for him and don't cover the town hall, I agree. But we're a talk show. We're an opinionated based show, and basically, I, as the head of the show with my name on it, talk about the thing I'm most passionate about. I like Senator Sanders, but he is not my candidate. So I am not. You know, we're not here to report the news. We have breaks where news is reported by other organizations. So just to be clear, so thank you, Marky Mark said, I think it was unfair for her. He felt it was unfair for her to blame me. And I agree with you. <laughs> no, and I think it's, to be fair, I think she made a good point, as Leslie, you said, about the news is doing a poor job. They are, I think, overcovering yes. Trump. But yes. that's hard news outlets like the New York Times, you know, CBS News, for instance, CNN. CNN. You know, they're giving him all this attention. Those are hard news organizations, which, Brad, I think you would agree in the past, and Leslie, you as well, being, you know, students of this game, if you will. You know, that's like back in the day when you had Walter Cronkite. They did not inject opinion. They did not. I mean, no. and if they did, it was people took it as gospel because it was so rarely done. I believe it was Brad when Walter Cronkite uh, was covering the end of Vietnam, you know, kind of that winding down that, you know, that got a lot of attention because he gave his opinion. So, I don't know, spar- sparsely, I guess you want to say. I mean, Brad, yeah. do you think that, if Leslie don't mind me asking him, do you think that the hard news has done a poor job of overcovering Trump and giving him too much free attention and, and not being critical enough of him? What's your opinion on that? I believe, yeah, I think the media has uh, paid way too much attention to Trump uh, and way too little attention to Bernie Sanders. You know, I think Bernie Sanders is, you know, one of the casualties of the Trump presidential campaign. Uh, You know, Donald Trump has sucked up all the media oxygen, 
and there wasn't very much left over for Bernie Sanders because he really needed the media because when he started this race, hardly anybody knew who he was. I mean, everybody knew Hillary Clinton, but no one knew Bernie Sanders. And the reality is he never got the coverage he needed because the media was so enamored of, uh, of it, it, Donald Trump. Is it fair, it, Brad, is it fair to say that if Donald Trump wins the nomination or, God forbid, the presidency – this is the person the media helped to nominate and elect. Oh, yeah. I, yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, let's go uh, to the calls, and uh, thank you for holding callers. And let's go next to – let's go to Michael in the Bronx Line 4. Michael? Michael, you there? Hi. Can you hey. hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Uh, great to talk to you again, Leslie and Brad. You too, great Michael. Talk. First off, just to um, clarify something, before any right-winger decides to call up and want to start an argument with you guys on this, um, Donald Trump himself not only used the, uh, dropped the F-bomb several times, but before they want to get nitpicky, yes, it was on national TV. He even dropped the F-bomb on his reality show, which he does not own or have a part of anymore. I won't bother repeating the title of it, but yes, Donald Trump did the same thing there. So the right wings can spare themselves um, entertaining any kind of debate on that matter. Now, as far as the debate goes last night, before the debate, I kept hearing all this rhetoric, all the advertisements, commercials, and um, the GOP saying, like, we got to stop Trump. Trump must be stopped, et cetera, et cetera, because Trump is being bad for the Republican Party. All right, but then during the um, debate, adding to everything that say Marco Rubio has pointed out, and et cetera, et cetera, the one thing I am surprised none of them brought up, and it's even brought up in today's cover of the New York Daily News, is um, David Duke, the former head of the Ku Klux Klan, his endorsement, his advertisements, and his pushing um, to endorse. Um, Donald Trump for president and even campaigning for him. So I'm surprised none of the Republicans brought this stuff up, especially since they want to claim to be the party of equality and they want to be a party for all Americans. Now, why is they so afraid of Trump and saying that Trump must be stopped? This is a major question to ask these Republicans. Is it because that Trump is giving you guys a bad rap and being unfair, or is Trump really exposing this party, and Trump is not the only hate monger, but a bunch of you Republicans are sharing in the same company. You've all been exposed. Uh, Brad, any comment? Well, yeah, I agree with uh, what most of uh, Michael says. Um, you know, he, Trump is a hypocrite, uh, always has been, um, always will be. Uh, and, you know, when push comes to shove, like, Unfortunately, between now and November 4th, when the election is, uh, there's going to be a serious foreign policy crisis. It might be in the Mideast. Uh, it might be in the South China Sea. But I guarantee you there will be at least one big foreign policy crisis between now and November. And at that point, I think a lot of people who maybe even are sympathetic to Trump uh, will say, do I want this guy uh, to be in charge of uh, the United States military uh, and make decisions that could lead to war? And I think most Americans will say, 
No. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that will eventually undo him. You know, uh, you know Brad, because, do you remember, you know, Brad, he, Brad, he Brad, Brad, do you? sound uh, presidential, and that's important. Brad, do you remember years ago um, that, you know, people would say, you know, uh, even when Hillary ran, or if a woman ran, that she was too emotional, and with PMS she might, quote, put her hand or finger on oh, the yeah, button. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Right, the nukes years ago, right, put her finger on the button. Well, to me, I'm like, God, yeah, Donald Trump's like PM. a topic when Jardine Ferraro ran for vice yes, exactly. in 1984. It, right, that's what, I, that's what I was referring to, so thank you. And uh, my, my thing is Donald Trump is like, you know, it's like PMS on steroids. Michael, thank you for the call. Let's continue okay, with the no. calls. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Stevens, also in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, listening on WPVC 94.7. Stephen, good afternoon. Thank you, Leslie. Um, can you hear me okay? Yes. Great. Um, I kind of wanted to just piggyback off of what the, the last caller was saying. Um, I watched the debate last night, and... I, I agree with you in your earlier commentary about how Trump's routine is mostly a, a comedy show, and I, I think that's largely his appeal, maybe to um, uneducated voters or or even or even younger voters who are largely liberal, to my understanding. But the point that I was going to make was a lot of the media is saying nowadays that well. Trump is unelectable, Trump is unelectable, and then he garners more and more support. And, like, would you see him as commander-in-chief? But I think that his supporters... I've seen, I've seen a... There's a street artist who was in support of Ted Cruz. His name is... Cato, I think. He just got fired by the Ted Cruz campaign. But he's making posters of Trump that are completely unapologetic and unironic, and they show Trump represented as Mussolini, and they say Il Duce, and they're supportive. They're not, it's not an ironic thing. It's not a, a, a joke. It's like they, they idolize him in this, in this fascist, kind of way. And it's interesting you say fascist because to me it is, I don't know if he's really put something in there drinking water. Speaking of water, I'm sure many people have seen online or on TV when Donald Trump beyond mocked Rubio with the bottle of water when he first gave uh, the the first uh, response to the State of the Union address a few years ago. And, uh, And I thought, this is somebody running for president. Do you remember people questioned it being okay? Bill Clinton played a saxophone. Uh, I, I mean, th- this is something. somebody running for president. Somebody running for president who says, that guy used, used the F word. Don't remember that I used it three weeks ago. He owes me an apology. You owe me an apology. You owe me an apology. Everybody owes him an apology. I, do you know what? When he said to Rubio, one of the cuts we just played, you know, and, and, and Rubio said, you're repeating yourself. Ha, 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 I repeat myself. Yeah, he's, he's, he's repeated himself. I really felt like, oh, really? Well, you know, my red truck is shinier than yours. I, I, I am a mother of a seven- and eight-year-old, and I honestly feel my seven-year-old is more intelligent than Donald Trump. And, and, and be, because the guy goes there. He always goes there. When he's wrong, somebody questions his finances or – when he doesn't have the facts, which is most of the time, 
yet the crowd roars. He says that guy drops the, he goes to the F-bomb. We're not talking about the F-bomb. We're talking about how are you going to pay for that, make Mexico pay for that wall? That's what you said. How are you going to make it happen? We all know. And I can't believe his supporters or Republicans out there who are thinking of even voting for him if you're on that platform. How can you vote for somebody? If somebody says no new taxes, you know they're full of caca, they should not get your vote because they're lying to you. And I, what, I don't agree. think I don't think the other candidates are making it clear. And I think Rubio was last night. But I still have on Twitter right now. Go to my Twitter page and read that there are people that think he did a great job last night because to them, great are the insults. But that is a reality show, not a reality presidency, not a reality governance of a nation who has to work with the re- with the rest of the world. So I'm with you. I don't, It's like a cult because it's like, you know, they're cheering when he goes, like yeah, it. because he dropped an F-bomb, I'm going to build it 10 times higher. You don't have the money to build it here. You don't have the money to build it with – they don't have billions. Mexico's much less affluent than the United States. We don't have the billions to build it, and now you're going to build it 10 feet higher, and everybody applauds. And I'm, I'm think, I, I seriously sat there – and I had to order an alcoholic beverage. I had to. 30,000 feet, 35,000 feet in the air. Because I'm, I'm sickened by what could happen to this country as a result of this. People don't realize this is serious. It's really striking and really concerning to me. <laughs> That's for sure. But, Brad? You know, yeah, uh, I thought Stephen said something that was interesting. Is He said, he said, um, excuse me for paraphrasing your words, Stephen, but uh, you said that uh, Trump supporters eat this up, uh, and they do. You're absolutely right about that. The problem is, right now, Trump is playing a sideshow, uh, and the people who are going to see the Trump sideshow love it. Uh, but when he goes to a bigger show when he goes to a bigger venue uh it's he's not going to get the same kind of reaction uh remember only half the republicans are actually voting for donald trump in these primaries that's more than anybody else but it's still less than half and the reality is when he has to start speaking to independent voters uh he he's going to scare the living bejesus out of them uh but we don't but he hasn't had to do that all he has to do now is to talk to diehard republicans and now that will get him the nomination. But once he gets the nomination, if he does, he's going to have to talk to a lot of people who find him very, very scary. Yeah, I, I, I find him uh, repulsive, I mean, in every way, shape, and form. Uh, thank you for the call. Do call us again, okay, uh, Stephen? I hope to hear from you again there in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thank you. Th- thank you. Um, we're going to be back uh, when we come back. Matthew in Alabama, you're first. Jake in Eureka, California, you're second. And the rest of you holding, you are after that. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. We didn't even get to play all the cuts. I guess we'll talk about Super Tuesday and Monday. <laughs> but we are going to talk about and uh, continue to talk about the debate. To my point, people want to talk about this. And I I think part of the reason is we're very afraid of what's happening to our political process. And quite frankly, we're the laughing stock of the world right now. Thank you, Donald. We'll be back. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE.
Politics as of today shows Hillary Clinton would beat Donald Trump, but not by much, 2.8%. Uh, that's within a 3% margin of error. And Real Clear Politics, as you know, takes four or five polls and takes the average of those. And they're not all the polls, just some of the polls. Um, and that, that that's the polls. Then you look at a map of the Electoral College, and it clearly would favor her because it clearly seems to favor Democrats. So what's more accurate, the poll or looking at the Electoral College uh, numerically on a, on a map? Well, the short answer to your question, Leslie, is the Electoral College is more important uh, because the Constitution says the candidate with the most electoral votes uh, becomes president, uh, not the candidate who gets the most popular votes. So the electoral, it's all about the electoral vote. I mean, the public, you know, the rest of the stuff doesn't really matter. It's, it's all window dressing. What counts is the candidate has to get 270 electoral votes. And you're exactly right. Hillary position is much better positioned to do that. There are some states that we know are absolutely going to vote Democratic. New York, California, uh, Illinois, uh, they're all going to vote Democratic, uh, and they're all big states. The only big state that the Republicans can win uh, is Texas, and that puts them at a big disadvantage in the Electoral College, and that's all that matters. I mean, look what happened in 2000. Al Gore got more popular votes than George W. Bush did, uh, but Al Gore never got into the White House. Okay, let's take some calls. 8886-LESLIE is the number. And as promised, we go next to Matthew in Alabama, line two, listening on Progressive Voices. Hey, Matthew, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us and for your patience and holding. Hi, Leslie. I was just wanting to bring my dis, dis uh, happiness of Donald Trump with uh, wanting to build a wall around the United States. What is that supposed to bring positively? anything if he does that well i think what he's clearly bringing and you bring up another good point is more division when we need to be united now more than ever and not just division uh and brad uh chime in on this i i I fear he helps uh organizations like isis because he will if he alienates the entire muslim arab world which we need as allies in this fight against isis i mean at some point people might say screw this you know what I mean? We're gonna we're we're gonna work together to combat ISIS, but we're no longer going to be your allies. And we need uh, allies worldwide, especially in these Muslim and Arab nations, uh, not just for export and trade, uh, not just for the worldwide war on terrorism, but to be part of a sustainable global economy. Uh, Brad. Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, Donald Trump is the best uh, recruiting tool that ISIS has. Uh, they feature Trump prominently on their websites uh, because he's, Muslims around the world know what he said about Muslims. Uh, he doesn't want any of them coming in the United States uh, because, you know, the implication is, well, we don't want any Muslims because we know they're all terrorists just in the same way we know Mexicans are all drug dealers. Uh, and you're right. He, he is a great recruiting tool for ISIS, uh, and the next president is going to have to continue something that Barack Obama started, which is to build better relationships uh, between the United States and Muslims around the world. And every sixth person on this planet is Muslim. And we need to have good relationships with Muslims. Uh, We're not going to have good relationships with Al-Qaeda or ISIS, but 
there are six, you know, one out of 76 people on this planet is Muslim. And if the United States is going to have a successful policy and thrive, it is going to have to be on good relationships with the Muslim world. And that's clearly not going to happen on, under Donald Trump, who thinks they're all terrorists. Okay. Anything else from uh, our caller in Alabama? Or are you uh, done? Anything else? Matthew. Oh, I just wanted to say most likely Hillary will have to get her education plan in before Bernie Sanders gets his in anyways, and I'll just leave it at that because Hillary's starting from the bottom end and Bernie Sanders is mentioning the higher education. Yeah, well, I don't think that, but that's not, I I hear you, but that's not number one on liberals' uh, uh, agendas, by the way, Uh, certainly not uh, in, you know, a national election. It's the economy and jobs. Let's go to Jake in Eureka, California, line one. Quickly, Jake. I just like to bring it back to the Democratic race. I think tomorrow we have a big win for Hillary Clinton on Tuesday, Super Tuesday. Hillary Clinton's pretty much going to put it away. And the problem with Bernie Sanders' campaign is that he can't win in the South. And over the past half century, if you look at Democratic candidates, the ones who could win, that would be Jay, Carter, Clinton, Obama. They could win Southern states. The candidates like, oh, McGovern, Dukakis, Mondale, Kerry couldn't win the South, and they lost. All right. Um, uh, Thank you for that. Last minute, last word, Brad. Well, uh, you're right. Um, the, the biggest one of the big problems Republicans have is they're losing the South. Uh, they've lost Virginia. They've lost Florida. In 10 years, they're going to lose Texas because of the growing Latino population. Uh, and the South is key. Uh, your listener, Jake, is absolutely right. Um, Okay, thank you, buddy. Have a wonderful weekend. Brad Bannon, folks, my partner in crime here every Friday. Marky Mark and Andrew, my great crew, and all of you listening. By the way, you can follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Bannon. Check out on Facebook, like him there, facebook.com forward slash brad.bannon1. And his website is bannoncr.com for his company, Bannon Communications Research. I'm Leslie Marshall. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll be back hasta lunes on Monday.